Good morning, everyone. How's it going? All right. Hey, can we give a big hand to our Bridge Kids drama team and worship team? We have had an incredible week here at church for Wanted Kids Day Camp, and we're going to tell you more of the details about everything that happened over the course of the last few days, but I just want to say to you real quick that every single day this week that our kids and all of our volunteers and team have gathered, we have had the drama team on every single day, the dance team on every single day, the worship team on every single day, not to mention everybody that served throughout this entire week here at Wanted Kids Day Camp, and it's been a fantastic week, and we're just so thankful that we have had the opportunity really to just tell these kids who have been here a little bit more about Jesus and given them an opportunity to kind of connect with each other, connect with God, and have a good time this week. I also want to say, as one of the pastors here at the church, we realize that it's an enormous responsibility to be entrusted with your kids during the week. Um, there are many of you that were probably really grateful that we took care of your kids for four days this last week. Um, but listen, in all seriousness, it's a huge responsibility and we recognize that. And so I just want to take a moment on behalf of our team and our staff and I just want to say thank you so much for entrusting us with your kids this last week. We are so excited to tell you more of those details here in a little bit about everything that did happen this week. We actually have some pretty specific um, statistics that we want to share with you to tell you about everything that took place this week. And it was an awesome week and we just want to say thanks so much. It was a great, great time that we had and we look forward to this week out of our year every single year. So thank you all so, so much. This morning, I'm going to be sharing with you. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge. And I'm going to do a message today, bring a message that's going to kind of conclude what we've been talking about at kids camp this week. So today, I want to bring you a message that is simply titled, Wanted. That's been the theme of this week, Wanted. And I want to say this at the very outset of our message. You are wanted by God. You are wanted by God. God wants to be in a relationship with you. God desires to be in a relationship with you. With you. But here's the thing God does not just want you to know more about Him, God wants you to know Him. God wants, him, wants you to know Him personally in an intimate way where you can understand His nature, His goodness, and His character. And we tried to express that to your kids and all the kids who were here throughout the course of this week because we did not want them to leave any one of these four days or at the end of the week. We did not want them to go home and not know that simple truth that they are wanted. By God. All of us, we are wanted by God. At the outset of this message, I just want to establish two quick things that we kind of put out there for everybody to think about at the very beginning. And it's simply this God wants to do many things in our lives, but I believe today there are two specific things that we need to understand. Number one, God wants to reveal Himself to us, but God also wants to reveal Himself through us. Does that make sense to everybody? God wants us to know about His nature, His goodness, and His character. He wants us to know that personally, but he also wants to reveal those things to the world around us through us. So I'll say it again. God wants to reveal himself to us, but he also wants to reveal himself through us. And with that said today, we're going to look at the story of Jonah. That's been our theme story throughout the course of this week. And there's a simple truth that we have shared with your kids throughout the course of this week. We've called it our truth verse, and it's found in Psalm 145. Later on in the book of Jonah, Jonah actually quotes this psalm, but this is what it says in the truth verse. Psalm 145 in verse 8. The Lord is kind. Everybody say kind. And he shows mercy. Everybody say mercy. He does not become angry quickly, but is full of love. Everybody say love. love. 
So there are four characteristics that are found in that verse that are not just talking about God, but really reveal his very nature, his goodness, and his character for us. And in order for us to be in a healthy relationship with God, we need to know who he is and what he's all about. And those four characteristics that are found in our truth verse that we've been talking about this week are things that if we can understand, we will step into the greatest relationship with God that we possibly can. And all four of those characteristics are actually revealed in the story of Jonah. So I want to take some time and I want to tell this story to you today. Now, there are many of you here who have heard the story of Jonah your whole life. We have kids who are here this morning that this week, maybe you had heard it before, or maybe you never had before, but either way, you got more acquainted with the story of Jonah. But I got to think there's probably a few people here today too that maybe you hardly know the story of Jonah at all. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament centers around a prophet named Jonah. There's only four chapters in the book of Jonah, so it's kind of a short book, but if we were to try to read it all this morning, it would take way too much time. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my very best to kind of consolidate the first two chapters and tell this story to you quickly and in detail as accurately as I possibly can, okay? So here's the thing. There was a man named Jonah, and the Bible says in Jonah uh, chapter 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and God said to Jonah, he said, I want you to go to a place called Nineveh, and I want you to tell the people in the city of Nineveh that there's a day coming where their city is going to be overtaken and overthrown because of their disobedience. They are living evil, sinful lives in my sight, and I'm not going to tolerate it much longer. That sounds like bad news for Nineveh, but God was sending Jonah there to tell them, you need to change your ways so that we can spare your city from being overthrown. So when God speaks to Jonah, you would think that Jonah would get really excited and say, I heard from God. I'm going to go do what God told me to do. But instead, Jonah turns and does the exact opposite thing. He said, the Bible says that he actually runs from the presence of the Lord. He goes and he gets on a boat. He pays these guys on the boat to take them to a place called Tarshish. And all these men who are on this boat are going to Tarshish. And Noah, or Noah, Jonah, thinking about boats, Jonah begins to run away from the plan that God has for his life. So they take off to this place called Tarshish. And when Jonah gets in the boat, the Bible says he goes down to the bottom of the boat and he lays down and he falls into a deep sleep. And as the boat sets sail for Tarshish, pretty soon the Bible tells us that there's a great wind that God sends against the boat and pretty soon the waves start to get bigger and the boat's rocking and the boat's rocking and the waves are growing and the men on this boat begin to think that they are going to die. They think this is the end for us. What in the world is going on? It seems like we're not going to be able to escape this situation. And what we know from scripture is that all of these men who were on this boat were either very superstitious or very religious because they all begin to look at each other and say, Whose fault is it that God has sent this storm to take us into these great waves? Because it seems like we're going to die. And they become very fearful and very scared for their own lives. The Bible tells us that the captain of this boat goes down to the bottom of the boat and he finds Jonah fast asleep. And he wakes Jonah up and he says, Jonah, how can you sleep through the storm? Why are you sleeping? And Jonah wakes up and he begins to tell him, there's no way, I can't understand how you could sleep during the storm. There's this crazy wind and there's these heavy waves and the boat's rocking and it feels like we're all going to die and drown here in the middle of the sea. And so Jonah gets up and all of the sailors and the captain, they all gather in the boat. And scripture says that they begin to cast lots. We don't exactly know how they did that. We don't know if they rolled dice or they just drew straws. But somehow what we know is that Jonah must have drawn the short straw. Because whoever lost in their little game of lots, they looked at the loser and said, it must be your fault. It must be your fault. You must be the reason why God has sent this terrible wind against our boat. 
And so Jonah speaks up and he says, it's true. I've run from God. God told me to go to Nineveh, but instead I got on your boat. I paid the fare and I decided to go with you to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh like God had told me to. And so they begin to look at Jonah angrily and say, it's all your fault that we're going through this. If you hadn't made that decision, we would be on our way to Tarshish and we would all be fine. But instead, you've got us into this mess. And Jonah says, I know it's not any of your faults. It's totally my fault. And he says, if you want peace, if you want the storm to go away, if you want the wind to die down and the waves to die down, there's a simple solution. Just throw me overboard. So the next thing we see is that these men actually take Jonah and throw Jonah overboard in the middle of the wind and the waves. And scripture says that as soon as Jonah hits the water, the wind stops. The waves begin to die down. And in that very situation, in that very moment, the men on that boat begin to experience peace, the same peace they'd experienced before the storm. But not Jonah. Jonah's sinking down and sinking down in the water toward the bottom of the ocean. It's actually talked about in the next chapter when Jonah cries out. He talks about being tangled in the seaweed and seeing the roots of the mountains that overshadow the sea. And in that very moment, Jonah probably thinks that his life is coming to an end, but then something really crazy happens. Nobody throws Jonah a life raft. Instead, he gets something that comes in a really strange package. Scripture says that God ordains a great fish to come down and swallow Jonah whole. He swallows up Jonah and Jonah sleeps, or not doesn't sleep, he lives in the belly of that great fish for three days and for three nights. Now, let's just stop right here for just a moment and acknowledge kind of the obvious thing here. When you tell the story about Jonah being swallowed by a great fish to a room full of children, the children say, wow. When you tell the story of Jonah being swallowed by a great, fi great fish to a room full of adults, the adults say, really? Seriously? Are you kidding me? I want to just say this to everybody this morning. Our God is a God who will go to great impossible lengths to meet you right where you are because he cares that much about you. Our God is the God that takes the impossible and makes it possible. And it doesn't matter how far you might have run from God, how many mistakes or bad decisions you might have made, our God is a God who will go to great lengths to meet you in the middle of your storm and bring your life to the place that he wants you to be. That's who our God is. And we see that story continue to unfold. We'll go to scripture in just a moment. But the very next picture we see in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah is that the entire chapter is Jonah crying out to God and he's saying, God, I'm now in the, in the belly of this great fish and it seems as though I'm going to die. I mean, think about this. Most of us don't want to spend time at the bottom of the ocean. Jonah spent time at the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a great fish. That's crazy. And so the next thing we know after Jonah has cried out, it says in verse 10 of chapter 2 of the book of Jonah that God speaks... To the great fish. Now, everybody think about that for just a moment. God spoke to the great fish. How many of you guys knew that God spoke fish? How many of you knew that you could speak to a fish and the fish would understand? I can't and you can't, but God can because that's who our God is. And it says in verse 10 of chapter 2 of the book of Jonah that the great fish vomited out or spit out Jonah onto dry land. Now, think about this. For three days and three nights, he's been in the belly of a great fish. We don't know how many days he was on the boat before he went into the water and into the belly of the great fish. So for at least four days, Jonah has been concerned that his life is in danger. This is it. I made a bad choice. I made a bad decision. It's all about to end pretty soon. And suddenly the fish spits him out onto dry land and it's like, I get to start over. 
I was in a boat and I thought I was going to die. I was in the belly of the great fish and I thought it was the end. And suddenly now here I stand on dry land. Can I tell you something today? Our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God who wants to redeem us, who wants to renew us, and he wants to bring about new opportunities in our life so that we can fulfill everything he has destined us to do. That's who our God is. Somebody please say amen to that this morning. All right. But from our truth verse this morning, when we look at the life of Jonah, there are things that we can pull out. And I want to start from reading in Jonah chapter 3 and just show you a few quick verses that will help to illustrate what we're going to talk about this morning. Look at what it says, Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. This is so cool because if you were to go back and read the entire book of Jonah, it starts out saying in Jonah 1.1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And I just told you what Jonah did. But now it says in Jonah chapter 3, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's like, look, dude, you messed this thing up the first time, but I'm giving you a second chance. Time to make the best of your second opportunity. Let's read on and see what it says. Arise, go to Nineveh, the same thing you wanted to do the first time, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Look at verse 3. Then Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was, exceed, was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. What that's referring to is that it's, it's believed that Jonah lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. So in the place where he started originally, it was like a three-day walk to get to this place called Nineveh. But look what it says in verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. In other words, even though Jonah made a mistake, when God sent the great fish to swallow up Jonah, the place where the great fish spit him out was two days closer to where he started. That's like God saying, listen, man, I'm trying to get the point across to you. I really want you to go to Nineveh. In fact, I'm going to make sure that the great fish drops you off only one day's walk away instead of three. You getting the message, Jonah? I want you to go to Nineveh and do this thing. Sometimes God will do things to make it abundantly clear to us, and he's waiting for us to be obedient. Does that make sense to everybody? And then read on, look what it finally says, the end of verse 4. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the message that Jonah is now speaking in Nineveh is that in 40 days time, your entire city will be overthrown if you do not stop your evil, sinful ways, repent before God, and change the way that you're living. If you can't do that, your city will be overthrown. It was the warning that was coming from God. And in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. If you actually look at the finer points of, of uh, chapter 3, what it says is that the king actually issued a decree in Nineveh. And he, they, he was just convicted to the core. And he says, listen, every single person in this city, we are going to fast. We will not put a bite of any food in our mouths. And not only that, he issued this decree that said their animals couldn't eat either. Everybody would fast and pray and repent and ask for forgiveness to God, hopefully that their, their city would not fall and judgment would not come upon them. And scripture goes on to tell us in chapter 3 that because of their repentance, because they changed the way they were living, because they asked God for forgiveness and changed their ways, that their city was spared. Their city was spared. So from the story of Jonah, I want to pull out, and from that passage of Scripture, I want to pull out four truths from our truth verse that each and every one of us can apply to our lives. It doesn't matter if you're a kid, if you're a parent, a grandparent, a great-grandparent. It doesn't matter if you're here today and you don't have kids, you're not interested in having kids, it does, you're like, I don't have any kids in my world or in my life. Listen, the Word of God applies to each and every one of us no matter who we are or where we are. So I want to speak to you this morning and pull and reveal these four truths that we find 
and our truth verse. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first truth about the nature of God that we all need to understand. Number one, the Lord is kind. The Lord is kind. It says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I get this picture in my mind of Jonah showing up in Nineveh and these people having no idea that they're living their lives in a sinful way. And when Jonah gets there, he begins to tell the people of Nineveh, look, you've got to change the way you're living or your city's going to be overthrown. God is going to allow judgment to come upon your city. And it's interesting because rather than freak out and get angry with God, these people see that God has sent them a warning. They look at it and say, instead of God just allowing our city to be overthrown, he actually sent us a messenger. I mean, that's such kindness that God would say, I'm giving you the opportunity to change your ways so that your city doesn't walk into destruction. Not only that, but think about Jonah for just a moment here. Jonah went and totally went the wrong direction. He jumped on a boat when he was supposed to be going to Nineveh, and when he actually was spit out of the belly of that great fish, God in his kindness gave Jonah a second chance. How many people are grateful for second chances this morning? That's who our God is. He's a God of second chances. And when we talk about that word repentance that we see there in the book of Romans, you know, most of us know that definition of repentance as when we turn from walking the way that we're going and going the other direction and walking in the way that God has for us. And that's true. But the other side of it is that repentance doesn't just require a change of direction. It always requires a change of heart and a change of mind. And one of the things that God wanted to say to them was not just change the things that you're doing, but by, do it, by, by displaying my kindness to you, it's going to lead you in a direction that will draw you toward repentance so that you don't just make one single action of change, you start to live out a lifestyle of change. Why? Because God wanted to reveal his kindness to Jonah, but he also wanted to reveal his kindness through Jonah. You know, when I think back about my own life and some of the mistakes that I've made, the places that I've been... As somebody who gets to speak in our church pretty frequently, I've told my testimony many times here in our church. But when I was 23 years old, I came back to God with a big, big mess of a life. And I came to God and I, and I said, God, I thought that you had great things for my life and I still believe that you can use me. I still believe that I can live a purposeful life. But I've made a big mess and I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And that was totally how I felt. And I was always so hesitant and so worried to go back to church because what I thought was going to happen was I was going to get there and God was going to say, okay, now go re repeat steps one, two, three, four, and five so that you can get, then get kind of back to level ground and then maybe I'll start to reveal myself and then maybe I could use you for something. And I'll never forget, I came to this church 14 years ago, an absolute mess and a disaster. And when I walked in the door, what I found was that there were a group of people, a church full of people that did not condemn me, they did not judge me, and they did not look down upon me. Instead, they reached out and they embraced me and they said, can we please display the kindness of God to you? And I look back and I got to be honest with you, in my life, I'm not so, so sure that I would have stuck in church had there not been people in that church who gave the kindness of God to me. Because what I found was that when I was embraced by kind people who displayed the kindness of God to me, it was a whole lot easier to walk out a path of repentance and choose to go in a new direction. And I want to tell you today that yes, God wants to invite each and every one of us into a relationship of kindness with him and with his people, but he also wants us to be the people who display the kindness that's already been displayed to us. You might look at people in your world and say, man, those people are just living wrong, sinful, evil lives. And you feel like, well, I've been walking with God for a while and I kind of got things together. If God has showed you kindness, then you need to show kindness to the world around you as well. Because it's the kindness of God to us and through us that draws people 
to repentance. Now let's move on to the second thing, okay? The second part of God's nature that we see from our truth verse this week, if you're taking notes, number two, the Lord is merciful. The Lord is merciful. Now listen to this. This is what Romans 6.23 says. This is in the New Testament, okay? It says, for the wages of sin is death. This is an incredibly popular and famous passage in the Bible. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We talk about God being merciful. When we look at this passage of scripture in Romans 6, it tells us that there's a price tag that's attached to our sin. There's a cost that goes along with sinful choices. There's a cost that comes along with choosing to go our own way rather than following the road that God has laid out for us. I mean, think about it this way. Imagine Eve and Adam sitting in the garden, and when Eve was there in the garden, when that serpent came to her and said, you know, there is that one tree over there that God told you not to eat from, because if you were to eat from it, you're going to start to know things that only God knows. You're going to become like God, and these things are going to be revealed to you that he doesn't want you to know, so therefore you should probably partake of it so that you can learn the things that God knows that you currently don't. And one of the things that's interesting about that is I think that if Eve could have played the movie out, I think if Eve could have projected and looked forward to know what the consequences of that decision would be, I think Eve would have looked down at that piece of fruit and realized that even though she couldn't see it, there was a price tag attached to that piece of fruit. And if you could look at that price tag to see what the amount was on there, it would have a dollar sign and next to it, it would say, your life. Because the wages of sin is death. See, the sins that we've committed against God by going our own way and not following his, the price tag that's attached to those sins is the price tag of death. That's what we deserve for living sinful, evil lives. That was pretty much the message that Jonah was bringing to the people of Nineveh. And here's the deal. That sounds harsh. That sounds pretty harsh. So in order for us to escape that death that's attached to to our sins, that's the cost of our sin, we need an escape route. And that's why that passage goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the point. We talked about God being merciful. When I hear that word merciful, if you actually look at an English definition of that word, it simply means forgiveness. To be given mercy is to be given forgiveness. But I love this definition of mercy. I've been taught that when mercy, that mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. Isn't that such cool news to think that God would not allow us to receive the thing that we deserved for our sins? Like, have you ever made a mistake, and as soon as you made that mistake, you're like, oh no, there's enormous consequences that are going to come with this. And then you start to pray, God, whew, that was a big mistake I just made. I totally know I shouldn't have done that. I messed that up real good. And the consequence that comes along with that mistake is huge. But I pray, dear God, at least just this one time, that you would make sure that I do not get what I deserve from that mistake that I just made. And then to think that God would reach down and say, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Instead, I'm going to give you, I'm going to pay in full the price that you couldn't afford on your own. See, we know through our sinful lives that we can't save ourselves. But what's so crazy about it is that Jesus, the one who lived the sinless, spotless life, would be the one who would actually go to the cross and pay the price for me and for you. That's how much God loved us. He said, look down and goes, I know what you deserve for your sin, but I choose to not give you what you do deserve. Instead, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you the thing that you don't deserve. I'm going to send Jesus to the cross to pay your price in full so that when you stand before me, I'm not going to give you a bill that says, here, pay this price if you want to be good with me. No, you'll have salvation through the cross, and Jesus will have paid the final price. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for a God who was merciful, who did not give me what I deserve. That's who our God is. He's a merciful God. He's kind. It draws us to repentance. 
And he's merciful. He sees to it that we don't get what we deserve, but instead he gives us grace that we don't deserve so that we can walk and have a free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, in reading on, look at the third thing from our truth verse, the third characteristic, the third part of the nature of God that we need to learn this morning. Number three, the Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is slow to anger. How many people have ever known somebody that has a really hot temper? Some of you are like, I don't know anybody like that. My wife tells me I have a bit of a temper. I didn't need her to tell me that. I kind of knew it myself. And my daughter confirmed it because she got it from me. So anyway, I think my son did too. Um, But it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of us, when we've had experiences with people that either have a hot temper or they're quick to anger, sometimes it makes us slow to draw near to them when we've made mistakes. My parents have a dog they've had for many, many years, and even to this day, if that dog has never met you before, we pretty, pretty seriously are convinced that that dog was abused before my parents had gotten the dog, but it's like every time you would reach out to pet that dog, that dog would just jump away. Like, she doesn't want to draw near and be close to you because every time she sees a hand reaching out, her first assumption is that you are there to hurt her. And a lot of us have those same thoughts toward God because of experiences that we've had with people. Sometimes we think that when we make mistakes, we can't draw near to God because God's going to reach down and smack us around for the things that we've done. Can I even take it a step further and say that there are probably people in this place that you've had experiences like that with your earthly mother or earthly father or grandfather or grandmother. And those are the kinds of things that made you think that God responds in anger the same way people respond in anger to you when you miss the mark or when you mess up. Here's the interesting thing about anger. See, Scripture doesn't talk about anger being a bad thing. Jesus said, be angry and sin not. See, when God gets angry, it's never a sinful anger. It's always a righteous anger. And when God got angry with Nineveh, what did he do? He didn't just destroy Nineveh. He sent a messenger to say, change your ways. And I've had it in my heart all morning long to say this to every single person in the house. It doesn't matter where you're an adult or you're a kid. When we make mistakes and when we mess up, don't run from God. Run to God because he loves you and he's not quick to anger to reach out and slap you around for the mistakes that you made. Instead, our God wants to reach his arms out and embrace you and say, come on, I'm your father and I love you and I want the best for you. That's who our God is. I had something interesting happen. Ashley and I had something interesting happen this week that just totally illustrated this so perfectly to me last night. A couple days ago, we have a a community pool, and we were taking our kids to the pool. And my daughter, you know, she gets real excited when we say we're going to the pool. So we go to the pool, and we get inside the gates, and she takes off running, and she trips, and she falls forward, and she skins up her knees real bad. And, you know, I had to walk back to a house and bring back some wet paper towels because as she sat there waiting for me, she had this blood just running down both of her legs. You know, my daughter's about four and a half, and, you know, I'm a dad, that's my girl, like to see that blood just running down her legs. When I came back and I have those wet paper towels in my hand and I give them to her and she's just crying and she's hurting and she's in pain. And you give it to her and, you know, a few minutes later she jumped in the pool and forgot all about it. But then last night we were at some friend's house and we were getting ready to leave and we're like, okay kids, it's time to go. And it's like, no, oh my gosh, no, we're not leaving, da, da, da. And, you know, she's like totally flipping out and she's holding a whoopee cushion in her hand, Okay because the kids in the house were playing with whoopee cushions. So her plan, without saying anything, is I'm walking out the door with this whoopee cushion. It didn't belong to her, but she was pretty dead set on taking it home. And as soon as we got a few steps out the driveway, out the front door into the driveway, we looked and recognized that she still had that toy in her hand. So we're like, honey, that's not yours. You need to take it back inside to your friends. No, 
And I got a strong-willed little girl, okay, so like, you know, don't judge me because some of you do too. But she's like, no. And after we told her to take it in like seven or eight times, she finally got all upset. No, no, no. Like she's going to throw a big, big fit. And then she starts stomping her feet up and down and jumping up and down. And she says, fine. And she turns around and she makes a beeline for the door, running as fast as she can. And she gets close to the door and doesn't realize there's two steps in front of the door. And when they open up the door, she trips over the first step and goes straight down onto her chest and skins her knees down in the process. And she gets up and those two knees that were skinned up two days ago have now been made worse and reopened and they're bleeding and they hurt. And the funny thing about it is that one minute before that, I was starting to get pretty upset because she's screaming at me over and over and saying, no, 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 no. But now my baby girl's laying on the ground with bloody knees, and she's hurting. (laughs) And here's the thing. In that very moment, she doesn't need me to look at her and say, well, that was pretty stupid what you did. You deserve those bloody knees because you threw a big fit, and then you ran back to the door, and I told you you couldn't take that toy home. (laughs) What she needed more than anything else was dad to get down like this and say, come here, babe, it's okay. Because in that very moment, I cared more about her well-being than what she had done wrong. We listened to her cry all the way home for 15 minutes. We finally got home, and she chilled out a little bit. And Ashley was putting our son to sleep, and we sat down. I cleaned her knee off a little bit, and I put some Band-Aids on her knee, and I looked at her, and I said, Now, baby, listen, do you know why that happened? Yes, Daddy. I had a bad attitude. I know. I'm sorry, Daddy. See, a lot of us, when we make mistakes, we're afraid to run to Daddy God because we think Daddy God's going to respond the way that some of our earthly daddies did or the way some of the people in our world did when we made bad mistakes and made bad decisions. I want to tell you, every single person in this house today, if your perception of God is a God who's sitting up in heaven with a club behind his back waiting for you to mess up, you have poorly perceived the love of our Heavenly Father. Because our God is slow to anger. He is exceeding in kindness and in love. And all he wants to do is reach down and wrap us up and say, I care more about your well-being than the things that you have done. God is more interested in your being than he is in your doing. Your doing might have made some mistakes. Your doing might have taken you down some bad paths. But can I tell you, God wants to reach down and embrace you so that he can walk you into a place of well-being. Because we always do better from a place of well-being. That's who our God is. He's slow to anger. I'll just say this real quick. I just think everybody needs to know. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you ever have made or ever will make, don't run from God. Run to God when things go wrong. Run to God. If you're a kid in church this morning, Mom and dad might bring you to church every single week, but I hope that you'll remember this statement for the rest of your life. No matter how much they might bring you to church, even when you don't want to go, there will come a day where you run into things and challenges in life. And when things get tough, don't run from God. Run to God because he's incredibly merciful. He's incredibly kind and he's slow to anger. I'm almost out of time. Here's the last thing. The fourth characteristic of God that we see from our truth verse. Finally, the Lord is full of love. The Lord is full of love. I love how other translations put this. There are other translations in the Bible that say that God is rich 
in love. I love that phrase. It's like it's saying God is wealthy in love. Like, take a moment and take and, you know, kind of look at the balance of your love account. I mean, I got a lot of love from my wife. I got a lot of love from my kids. Sometimes it's hard to love other people as much as I love them or love myself. Anybody else, you know what I'm saying? Here's the interesting thing about God. I love how it says he's rich in love because I think if you were to look at the balance of God's love bank account compared to the balance of my love bank account, it would be like God is the richest dude in the world because he never runs out of love. That account balance never goes negative. It never even gets low because he never runs out of love. I could take all of my love that's in my love bank account and all the love that's in your bank account, put it together, all of us. It would never come close to the balance of love that's in the account of God because he loves us that much. And I think a lot of us struggle with understanding how much God loves us because it's hard for us to love others the way that he loves us. Unconditional love. A love that's kind, a love that's merciful, a love that's slow to anger. Here's an interesting thing. As parents, all the parents in the room, you can just like understand this probably. Have you noticed, parents, that you love your kids a lot, but maybe you don't love other people's kids quite as much as you love your own? Like we're kind to our own kids, man. We are merciful with our own kids. Sometimes we're slow to anger with our own kids. Man, we love our kids, but other people's kids, whew. Like this week. <laughs> exactly. Like this week, my niece and nephew were staying at our house because they came to kids' day camp. And so like all four of the kids in our house, my two and my niece and nephew, they're like gathered around the table eating breakfast. And you know, kids, they make a huge mess of breakfast, Right? There's like milk on the table. I'm like, what world are we living in? Anyway, but you like walk in the room and it's like my daughter drops something on the floor and I'm like, honey, you know you shouldn't be like dropping food on the floor. Pick that up. You don't want to make a mess of the carpet. But when my nephew does, I'm like, hey, don't you think you can just come into my house and pour food on the floor? Like you're about to make a mess of this place. Like if you do that again, you ain't coming back the second time, all right? I'm just kidding. I didn't really say that to my niece and nephew. But I think every mom in the house can totally relate to when you go to the grocery store. (laughs) You guys already know what I'm going with this. (laughs) And it's your kid that's throwing the fit. It's your kid that just dropped a glass bottle of something off the shelf, falls on the floor, clean up on aisle six. And you got to stand there while the mom down the row is standing there with her two kids who are that day just being perfect angels and looking at you like, well, that's a bad parent right there. She should be... That should have never happened. They should do this or do that to discipline. You're like, yeah, right, just because it ain't happening to you today, don't look at me like this will never happen. Point is, you know, a lot of us, we tend to give grace and mercy and kindness to our own kids more so than we do others. And I think part of the reason why sometimes it's that way is because we don't understand just how much God loves other people too. God's really, really impartial. And I was reading through scripture this week and I was reminded of this. This is one of my favorite passages in scripture. It says in 2 Peter, chapter, uh, 2 Peter 3, sorry, verse 9, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me read that one more time. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all. Everybody say all. all. Who's all? All of us. Every one of us. But that all should be brought to repentance. It is the will of God that each and every one of us should come into a relationship with God. When I think about the love that God has for me, I'm so incredibly grateful that when I was lost in my sin, he drew me in with kindness. That when I deserved punishment for the mistakes that I made in the road that I had chosen, he gave me mercy. 
that when I came back to God, I was expecting to run right into the hammer, but instead God said, I'm slow to anger. I want to walk you into the best that I have for your life. And what I've discovered every single day since is that God loves me more than I can ever imagine. Every parent in this place, you think you love your kids, you have no idea how much God loves you and loves them. The love he has for them is so much greater than anything we could ever comprehend or experience on our own and in our own strength. That's how much God loves us. You might be here today and you might say, you know, I've never been in a relationship with God to experience that love. We want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to receive Christ into your life personally. But in closing, I want to just say something real quick. As I was reading through this passage of scripture and preparing for this message today, I was really struck by something. You know, I told you earlier that the beginning of Jonah chapter 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying to go to Nineveh. And Jonah ran off this other direction. All this crazy stuff happens on the boat. He ends up in the ocean, the belly of a great fish, spit out on dry land. And then the very first thing it says in chapter 3 of the book of Jonah, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I think there are a lot of us in this room that might be living in chapter 3 or chapter 4 or chapter 5, and you've had do-over and do-over and start-over and start-over and reset in your life because something bad happened way back in chapter 1. Maybe today you feel like you can't come back to God because somewhere between chapter 1 and the place that you stand today, you made some big mistakes. I don't care if you're at chapter 25 or 30 in your life today. I want to tell you something today. The opportunity that God, God offered you in chapter 1 is the same one he still wants to give you today because he's kind, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, and he loves you beyond measure. If you made mistakes way back in chapter 1, don't disqualify the future chapters that God still has for your life because he can still do the same things today that he was offering you back then. Our God is that God. He's the God of kindness, mercy, who's slow to anger, and abounding, rich, wealthy in love. His bank account of love never runs out no matter where you've been or what you've done. There's nothing that can ever separate you and me from the love of God. It's always available to us. I want to pray a special prayer here in just a moment. If you're here today, I want you to know that you're surrounded. If you're here today and you're not in a relationship with God, I want you to know that you're surrounded by people who have made a decision to follow Christ. And at one time they weren't either. But they said, God, I want to follow you. So therefore, I'm going to put my trust in you. When we pray this prayer in just a moment, I want to invite you to mean it with everything inside of you, to confess these words, wrap your heart around it, and invite God to come into your life. Whether you're doing that for the first time today or you're starting over again, doesn't matter where you are, the love of God is extended to you today. But everybody please bow your head right now for just a moment. I want to ask you to repeat these words, and if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, all you got to do is mean it with everything inside of you. Confess these words right out loud, and you can walk into salvation and have an experience with God that doesn't just last one day, but steps you into a lifetime relationship with Him. Please repeat these words right out loud right after me and say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. I believe you died for me. I believe that you paid for my sins. So today I choose you as my Savior and I want you to become the Lord of my life. I will learn your ways. I will follow you. I will put my trust in you for this life and into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision this morning, you prayed that prayer, and you know in your heart that you're committing your life to Christ today, I want you to know this is not the end of the journey. This is simply the first step in taking a lifelong walk 
with God and being in relationship with him. We want to help you start that journey today. We want to give you a free tool, a free gift to help you get started in that walk with God. And it's something called The Next Seven Days. It's a little book to help you start your journey. There's two different ways that you can get it. We believe as a church that we need to be available and here to help you walk this thing out. So the two ways that you can get it is right after service. There's going to be prayer teams right down here at the very front of this platform. If you want to come up to one of these teams, let them know. Today I made a decision to follow Jesus. They're here to help you, to pray with you, to agree with you. If you just need someone to stand and encourage you, they'll help you. But they'll also give you that book. Let them know I made a decision. I want to get the book. They'll give it to you. The second way you can get it, if you need to go quickly after the service, please stop by the next seven days desk. It's right in the middle of the glass doors before you go outside. You can walk up. Let them know I made a decision to follow Jesus today. They'll give you that book. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to give you whatever we can to help you start this journey because we believe it's the best decision you could ever make and we're here to help and support you in any way that we can. We're glad you made that decision. Can we put our hands together this morning and welcome some people into the family of God? Amen. Hey, it's been an awesome week of Kids Camp and I think Pastor Jeremy deserves an enormous round of applause. Give him a big hand as he comes this morning. Thank you, Pastor Zach. That was an awesome message. Let's give Pastor Zach a big hand. That was awesome. God of second chances, amen. Before we receive our offering this morning, I want to go over some, some notes with you, some, some highlights that we had from our kids' day camp. We had an awesome week. In our food court, we gave away and made 4,085 cotton candy cones. Yeah. And we didn't hand out toothbrushes. Um, 13,500 snow cones. It was hot, so that's why. 2,918 bags of popcorn. 8,760 ice cream cones were made. Yeah. I know, I felt like they, all they were doing was just going, passing them back and forth. Amazing. Uh, we had 380 lunches that were made during the week. We had on our Thursday, Bring a Friend Day, uh, 208 kids come, and it gave us a grand total for the week, 846 kids at our kids' day camp. Yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And it was all made possible because we had 267 volunteers who took time off of work and changed their schedule around. Yes, let's give it up for our volunteers. Thank you so much, you guys. And because of that, and because they were willing to give up their time and, and share the love of Jesus, we had 424 children make decisions to follow Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I had... I had one volunteer that texted me after it was all over with, and they've helped and taken time off work to help every year. And they said this, I'm lying here in the middle of the floor in pain, trying to straighten out my body, but I decided it was all worth it. Yep, a lot of work goes into kids camp. But you know what? They are so right. It is so worth it. When you hear and see and experience what we've experienced this week, seeing kids come to Jesus, it's, it's the greatest thing. And you know, that's what the Bridge Church is all about. 
It is a place where people are loved and valued and believed in. It's a place where people come and make decisions to follow Jesus for eternity. And it's a place where people connect with God. And As we prepare this morning to give, I just want to let you know that if you're here for the very first time, if you're our guest, there's no compulsion or pressure to give. But for those of you that faithfully give into this ministry, know that your, your giving makes a, such an impact on lives and generations to come. And we are so grateful for your giving. And we thank you so much for just what you do, your prayers and your love and your support, because it does make an impact for generations to come. So God bless you this morning as you give. Let's watch our church news. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are so glad that you are here with us. If you are joining us for the first time today, we also want to give you an extra special welcome. Thanks for choosing to spend your morning with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected in the church. So take a look at Church News and let's see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. Excited to announce our largest outreach event of the year, Back to School Bash, happening Saturday, August 4th. We will be giving away 2,000 backpacks stuffed with school supplies, as well as gently used clothing, haircuts, sports physicals, and a pancake breakfast. This free event is for students kindergarten through 12th grade whose families are facing financial hardship. If you want to help us get the word out, stop by the Connection Center and grab some of our promotional cards to share. Together, we can make a difference right here in our community. Are you new to the bridge? Are you interested in getting involved in church life? If so, we want to invite you and your family to come to Connecting Point. Connecting Point is the place to come if you want to learn more about the heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church. It's also the place to come and meet our pastors and find out how you can be a part of everything that we are doing as a church. It's happening tonight at 6 p.m. And this is a very casual evening that lasts about one hour. And if you have kids, childcare is provided for all kids in fifth through fifth grade. If you'd like to join us, just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today. You can also sign up on our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We hope you'll come to Connecting Point and find your place at The Bridge. We love our seniors community here at The Bridge. We are excited to announce that the Senior Connection will be moving to Sunday afternoons this summer. The next Senior Connection is happening today immediately following the 11.30 a.m. service. If you'd like to come, join us in the chapel immediately following second service. If you're here for the first time today, we want to invite you to come to the Connection Center right after this service. Our team is there to meet you, answer your questions, and give you all the details about how you can get involved here at The Bridge. Be sure to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. If you made the decision today to commit your life to Christ, pick up your free copy of The Next 7 Days right after this service at The Next 7 Days desk. Don't do your journey of faith alone. Let us help you take your next steps. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending Sundays with you.
What a great day. It is so good being in church together. You know, I've been gone. I was uh, in India, had wonderful two weeks of ministry in India. Thank you for your prayers while I was gone. But it is so great to be back in church today. There is no place like home. And it was wonderful to be able to get back for our kids' day camp this week. And it was just incredible. It was so awesome. So thank you for joining us for our finale to camp today. Day. So glad you were able to be here. And you know, I hope that through our service today, you have been able to see that we so passionately love, value, and invest in future generations here at the bridge. And I just want to ask you to join me one more time in giving Pastor Jeremy, his wife Krista, and their entire team, all the volunteers, a great hand. You guys did such an amazing job. Thank you so, so much was awesome. Well, now we are running full speed ahead with all of our plans and preparations for our back-to-school bash. As you heard in church news, this is our biggest community outreach event of the year. It takes well over 100 volunteers. It's coming up in just a few short weeks on August 4th, where we'll be giving away 2,000 backpacks and student haircuts and back-to-school clothes and all kinds of things to help families get their kids ready for a new school year. So if you'd like to be in involved serving on that day or leading up to that day. There's lots of opportunities. So stop by the table out in the foyer before you leave today to find out how you can serve, get all of your questions answered. We'd just love to have you be on the team. It's going to be a great, great day. And then lastly, tonight, we hope to see you at Connecting Point at 6 o'clock. If you are new to the church or new word to the church, or maybe you've been here for a long time and just never attended Connecting point. Join us tonight at six o'clock. It all happens out in the foyer and it's just a great time where uh, you'll just get to hear the heart and vision of the church. You'll get to meet the pastoral team and we'll get to meet you and you'll find out about all the ways you can get plugged in and find your place here to call the bridge your home. So we hope you'll join us tonight. If you plan on coming, please take a moment, sign up at the Connection Center so we can be well prepared for you. All right. Great being in church together. Have an amazing Sunday and an awesome week.